Hi. This is Speaking of Sight. With Sara and Leah. And today is our 13th episode. This episode is going to be on self-harm. And Leah's going to read out a little bit of a disclaimer. So we received a bit of a concern before doing this episode on our health forms and we just wanted to address some things. Due to the sensitivity of this topic at hand, we'll be refraining from covering our usual areas, which is symptoms, treatments, how to help a friend, etc., as those can be better addressed by professionals. And we will instead focus this episode purely around misconceptions and questions that you guys have had. If you would like to let us know anything, please do send it through our form. Also, all content that we will be covering today has been read over and checked by someone who has dealt with slash is dealing with self-harm. And also, one thing I want to add is that this episode was requested. We were trying to do some research on what's already out there as well for people our age. There's actually very little in terms of what's addressed to teenagers dealing with self-harm. A lot of it is more addressed to parents or is coming from a very like robotic kind of senior voice that is a bit harder to relate to, I think, which is the point of why we've made this episode. Yeah, so as Leah said, we're just going to be covering what self-harm is, the types of self-harm and myths about it, because we think that those areas should really be covered yeah. when there's just, just really a lack of information and a lot of misleading information out there. We're going to start with what is self-harm? So non-suicidal self-harm is often called self-injury. It's the act of deliberately harming your own body such as cutting or burning yourself. It's typically not meant as a suicide attempt, rather this is a type of self-injury and a harmful way to cope with emotional pain, intense anger and frustration. While self-injury may bring a momentary sense of calm and release of tension, it is usually followed by painful emotions that they were trying to cope with in the beginning. Although life-threatening injuries are not intended, with self-injury comes the possibility of a more serious and even fatal self-aggressive actions. It is thought that nearly a quarter of 14-year-olds have self-harmed, but the actual figure could be a lot higher. So next, I just wanted to quickly cover the types of self-harm because there's a lot of misinformation out about that. So self-harm usually occurs in private and it's done in a controlled or kind of ritualistic manner that often leaves a pattern on someone's skin. So it's not always the typical example of cutting or severe scratches, but it can be just intense scratching in general, burning, carving, words or symbols onto your skin, self-hitting, punching or headbanging, piercing the skin with sharp objects, inserting objects under the skin, and most frequently, the arms, legs and front of the torso are the targets of self-injury, but any area of the body might be used for self-injury. So even things like excessively biting your lip or picking at your nails, things like that, which are causing harm to your body, they are classified as a type of self-harm. Becoming upset can trigger an urge to self-injure. Many people self-injure only a couple times and then stop, but for others, self-harm can become a long-term repetitive behavior. Next, we're going to move on to the many myths about self-harm. And essentially, when we got this request, it was primarily about a lot of the misconceptions, hence why we wanted to cover myths. The first myth, and I think the most damaging, is that it's attention-seeking. In actual fact, most people who self-harm, it's a very private and personal thing. Many people go through great lengths to hide their injuries, but some people, it's a way of showing others how bad things are for them, and it is sort of a call for help. It's also worth considering, is it bad to want attention when you feel like you need help? They might be seeking attention because they're looking for somebody to help them. This is not obviously always the case a lot of the times it is a personal matter and nobody will ever know but 
in the cases where people do find out, it is yeah extremely harmful to say that, oh, they're just doing this because they want attention. Yeah, and the next myth we're going to cover is only teenage girls self-harm. So we're actually going to recount about this, which we will discuss in like the next two minutes. But the first thing is that due to the private nature of self-harm, it's not easy to say who does it. In practice, statistics demonstrate that females will access support for self-harm more readily than males. But the issue of self-harm is not restricted to teenagers and girls and can affect people of all ages. We got a recount saying, quote, I've been self-harming for a few years now and talking to people about it really scares me. Everyone thinks self-harmers are depressed or suicidal and ignore what we say. I have friends who self-harm but weren't suicidal. It also doesn't help that I'm a guy and self-harm is seen as a girly thing to do for some reason and I blame the media portrayal of depressed teenage girls for that. Yes, so girls are thought to be more likely to self-harm than boys but this is generally because boys are more likely to engage in behaviours such as like punching a wall which isn't always recognised as self-harm and doesn't really come to the attention within hospitals or places that are coming up with these statistics. It's said that 24% of boys aged 16 to 24 have used self-harm as a way of coping according to research done by Young Minds. It is not more likely in girls than in boys. It is a massive misconception and can be extremely damaging to guys who are suffering through self-harm. It definitely is not, should not be seen as a girly thing to do and definitely the media portrayal is massively misleading. What's like displayed in Hollywood movies and in TV shows should be taken with a lot more than just a pinch of salt. It's definitely not accurate. And I feel like because girls are more shown in media to have suffered from stuff like this, they're more likely to step up and ask for help. And boys are more likely to stay silent, probably participate in activities that can cause harm, which, as we said, this is why we cover the different types of self-harm, because people don't recognize that there's more than one, and they can finally recognize, like, hey, I'm doing this because it's a form of coping with emotions. And I feel like with boys, it's, it tends to come in different forms, and they don't recognize that they actually are self-harming. The next myth we wanted to cover is that when people self-harm, they don't feel the pain. If you're to self-harm, you can become so distressed by it that they experience what's known as a dissociative fugue. And we covered this in our last episode, actually. During this time, people can zone out and may not be aware of what they are doing and possibly not feel any pain. Pain is always felt once the dissociation wears off and afterwards the pain might be amplified actually. So for some people who self-harm, the pain is what distracts them and that is the addictive feeling. If you think that you are going through something such as a dissociative view, look at our last episode, we covered that in a lot more detail. But yes, it's, it's actually relevant here as well. Another myth that's actually really prominent I'd say now is that people who self-harm are suicidal. So people who self-harm may feel suicidal, but the two do not come hand in hand. Self-harm is a person's attempt to temporarily survive, whereas suicide is a permanent end to life. There's no one simple or single cause that leads to someone to self-harm. In general, studies have found that two main reasons for for someone to self-harm is the inability to cope. Non-suicidal self-injury is also a result of an inability to cope in a healthy way with psychological pain or the inability to feel, so they resort to self-harm in order to feel pain. And also difficulty managing emotions. People who self-harm have a hard time expressing or understanding emotions. The mix of emotions that trigger self-harm is complex, so it's very hard to understand. The last reason why people 
self-harm, this is just some of them, is that it can start to become an addiction. So the next myth is that people self-harm to hurt or manipulate others. And this is very similar to the first one in the sense where it said that they're doing it just for attention. This is completely wrong. People self-harm essentially to kind of express distressing emotions. It can be a way of showing physically how bad things are mentally, but as a way of communication rather than manipulation. That is a completely wrong way of looking at it. And if anything, that's going to be more damaging to someone who is struggling with self-harm. So I just want to say, if you are going through self-harm, if you are struggling with it, don't feel as if you're being manipulative because obviously like everything that we've talked about here, you're not and everybody else needs to understand that. Yeah, and there's something else. You know how with most kind of disorders, it's ingrained in their head that they do this for attention. Even if they don't do it in front of anyone else, or even if they don't tell anyone, they still believe that for themselves that they're doing this all for attention. They, they don't actually have a disorder. That's not the case. If you do think you're struggling with something, don't yeah. refrain from seeking help. It's very important to have that self-realization that you know this is not even if you feel like you might be doing it as an attention seeking because that's what people have told you or that's the way in which it's kind of been portrayed as either manipulative or attention seeking that is not true even if you really know deep down that you're not but you feel like oh but what, what if I that is that that's not in question it's important to have that self-realization never let that prevent you from seeking help the next myth we're going to cover is that the severity of self-harm reflects the severity of a person's problem so everyone has different levels of resilience and so what seems severe to a person may not be to another one. It is important to take a person seriously regardless of how severe their injuries are. Never assume that a person's problems are not serious because their wounds are not. Obviously there's like a lot of different types in which we mentioned previously and a lot of them will be a lot more harmful than others but it does not mean that they are any more or less important. Self-harm, no matter the method, is equally as important to seek help for and this kind of links perfectly with our last myth. There's a myth going around that people who self-harm must be told to stop and self-harm is actually a symptom of a greater problem as we said it's a means of coping. Stopping a person from self-harm will not take their problem away, it will only take away their means of coping. By no means are we saying that you should continue self-harm but as with any addiction telling someone to stop is just useless. Typically in an episode we recover how to help your friend who would be suffering but in terms of self-harm it is an addiction and as with all addictions the person must be willing to get help in order for them to start their journey of recovery. So there are small steps in which you can begin this journey that we just kind of briefly wanted to mention. These are all backed by extensive research which we've done and as always these are just suggestions. This is not advice and this is not therapy. If you are struggling with self-harm please do seek professional help. As with literally any of the disorders that we go through, make sure you tell an adult if you're suffering with something like this, someone you trust, even if you don't have access to a psychologist. So like all urges, the urge to self-harm will pass if you wait it out. Distracting yourself with something else helps time go by and get your mind off the urge to self-harm. The more you wait out the urge without giving in, the more your urges will decrease over time. Someone shared a resource the other day with something that's really helpful in with self-harm and Leah's gonna read it out. Just a quick editor's note, this is a post by Tilly.brain on Instagram, so definitely go and check that out if you're interested. We just wanted to read it out in case it helps any of you guys out there. Essentially, it's the idea that I'll do it tomorrow. This is, quote, It may sound strange, but when I get an urge to self-harm, I tell myself I'll do it tomorrow. Just don't do it today. Stay safe for today. Even just saying I'll do it in an hour. I'll set a timer on my phone for an hour and I'll stay safe the next hour. And then eventually keep adding to that time. You don't have to follow through on your promise. Say you'll do it in an hour or tomorrow, but instead of self-harming, you just add to that time. 
add another hour or add another day or even just a few minutes but whatever you can manage every time that timer ends try to add more time like we said the urge will subdue eventually it takes time but the urges will lessen in harder times they come back sometimes it feels impossible but eventually they'll lessen you will know if you're ready to stop just like alcohol or drugs self-harm is an addiction and it feels impossible to stop it is not impossible it's hard it's really bloody hard but it's not impossible you're strong enough to fight this unquote so this was the post that they put up and we just thought that, that was really powerful. So there are different things you can do to help you express the pain and deep emotion. You can draw or scribble designs on paper using red pen or paint on white paper. If it helps make the paint drip, write out your feelings, anger, hurt or pain using pen and paper, draw the pain, compose songs or poetry to help you express what you're feeling, listen to music that helps you talk about how you feel. These are all different ways to help you cope with emotions because we know from the episode now that self-harm is an unhealthy way to cope with emotions. So finding different ways to express those emotions and pain that you're feeling will at least help prevent feeling the urges. So there are things to help release that physical tension and distress that you might feel. Essentially it's things like go for a walk or a run, ride a bike, dance, or get some other form of exercise, rip up some paper, write out your hurt, anger, pain, like Sarah said, just scribbling, squeezing something, like using a stress ball, using play-doh or clay, things that essentially help you feel supported and connected to something will help you release that physical tension and this is really good if you're struggling to find something physically that helps you feel connected and self-harm might be your way of doing that. These are much healthier alternatives to that. If you are struggling with depression, you might find that it's a bit harder to go out for a walk, but there are other things, simpler things such as the clay or the stress balls that might be a substitute that works for you. So definitely do try this. Obviously, as you've said, self-harm is an unsafe and unhealthy way of coping with emotions. And so here are some alternatives to self-harm. Some people find the urge passes if they squeeze an ice cube in their hand really hard or draw with a red marker on parts of the body that they feel like injuring, ripping up old newspapers, joking your pets, playing loud music and dance or finding other distraction or outlet for your feelings, wearing a rubber band on your wrist and snap it gently against your skin. Finally, draw on the skin with a soft tipped red pen in the places you might normally self injure. All of these, as we've said, can't take the place of professional counseling. If you can seek help, seek help for this. Um, yeah. As you said, we're not trying to glorify self-harm in any way. So I just want to say that everything that we have said today is not trying to glorify it or make it mainstream. It's trying to destigmatize it. It's trying to help educate those who have complete misinformation about self-harm in order to help those who are going through self-harm enter recovery. The best thing that you can do for that is go and seek professional therapy. That's it for today. That's everything that we wanted to cover. Have any feedback? The form will still be on until next week. If you have anything to say, just put on a form. We will be reading it. I really hope that someone found this helpful. And we love it when you guys like, send us feedback that we really appreciate mm -hmm. it and, we hope and if you have any requests let us know thank you thank you